himself. McClendon marches down the dugout steps with first base. McCutcheon's throw. The runner breaks to the plate. Here's the throw. Wow. It's out. The buck goes with That ball's hit well to left center field. Back toward the track. You are listening to the North Shore 9 Podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, make sure to watch NS9 Live every Thursday on Twitch and help support by becoming a patron. Let's go, Bucks! Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to NS9 Live. I'm your host, Anthony Donardo. With me, we got Tyler. We got Jim. We are a little, we are a week away from baseball. Not a little. We are a week away from baseball. What's up, fellas? I'm full-blown baseball already. In what way? Because you're participating and coaching it? Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> so so basically, let's not spend 30 minutes on Josh Van Meter. Okay. <laughs> Tyler's got to go to bed again, guys. That's good to good to be a week away. Um, this is our is this our last NS nine live of the off season? It is. You realize I said off. Oh, I said off season. Yeah. Oh, well, that's why I said it is. I agree. It is yeah. the official last yeah. NS nine live of the off season because next Thursday begins the actual regular season. You know what? What I actually, as much as I hated it, enjoyed. Hart's Twitter was in a frenzy this week. Cool. It felt good to be back, be back at it. We got back, baby. It just felt good to be back in the in the weeds. It was nice to just get everybody yelling at each other about just stupid stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I think I was I was called a lot of names by by people. Um, you know, I was told to calm down quite often. So yeah, it was fun. It was a fun week. Just felt good to be back and talking about baseball with other people and tweeting about it and it not being just annoying like CBA talk. I mean, that's true. Like, we've actually had baseball yeah. to actually talk about, which it's not as if like Pirate Twitter wasn't in a frenzy at all this off season, mainly for CBA reasons and whatnot, but it was a little bit calmer, right? I mean, it was calmer in the sense of what we're going through right now. Because there's real baseball being played by the Pittsburgh Pirates, by all by all accounts. Um, yeah, like I've been kind of, I've been amped up a bit this week. <laughs> I've been kind of testy. I'll put it that way. Uh, yeah, I'm being, I'm getting into Twitter arguments with people who I shouldn't be getting into Twitter arguments with. I'm saying things I probably shouldn't be saying. Um, I think at one point, like, you know how your Apple watch, when like you're just sitting there and all of a sudden your heart rate shoots up and it'll like give you a beep and I'll be like, Hey, we just noticed your heart rate went up and you're just not moving at all. Right. I think that happened earlier this week too. So yeah. Somehow I was the calm one. Baseball's back, baby. (laughs) I was the one not in the arguments. You were the calmest of them all. I was. You were the rational one this week, Tyler. Because even though, like, it wasn't as if you stayed away from commenting. 
No, you were on. I was Twitter, commenting. You've made comments. They were very, nobody really argued with me. Yeah, they were very like I'm not gonna say like fully thought out. I mean, they were brief in the sense it wasn't like you went on some tangents like Jim and I kind of did a little bit no. here and there. But you like stated your point very rationally. I retweeted a couple. I'm like this. This this is a good point, Tyler. I'm retweeting this. This is a new Tyler. The what old me would have just. The old me would have just went. Well, I gotta do something. To chop off heads. There, I gotta switch you two up. Jim's in the middle now. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> back, back in the day, I would have been off with their heads, but now I just put out my comment and I do not respond if I don't like your response. See, that's where I get into trouble. Like people respond, and I just if I disagree with them, I have to respond back. And I need to stop doing that. I need to just say what I want to say and then just let people say let things go. and yell let it into go. the abyss. It also depends on how many beers I've had. How many beers have you had tonight? I've been home for approximately 45 minutes, so only one. So this is what I don't I'm, get either. I've still... got coffee. I only have a beer. I was going to say, so like what I don't get is maybe I'm just confused or maybe you've switched it up on us, but your excuse now that I'm hearing is like, Hey, I'm eight beers in. I'm not going to do this. When meanwhile, I'm thinking you're eight beers in. Let's, let's ready to go. No, there's a sweet spot. Tyler. Eight beers in after 10 o'clock. I can't do it because I got to go to bed or else I'm going to be up arguing till two in the morning. Eight o'clock. Eight beers in, let's go. So I guess, yeah. That's... If, if it's 10 o'clock and I'm eight beers in, I'm going to end up drinking 15 because I'm going to sit there and argue all night. I got to give myself a cutoff. I guess, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I'm also, I'll just forward. stop making sense in my tweets and then I'll wake up and be like, I don't even agree with what I said. I'm not looking forward. I'm not looking forward to like the the notification you get every Sunday that says like what your average screen time is. I'm not I'm not looking forward to reading that. I'm just gonna say shut up, Siri. So what was your favorite argument you got in this week, Jim? Favorite? None of them were my favorites. They were all my least favorite. Which one do you feel like you teabagged your opponent the most? Where like oh. you sent a tweet and you're like, got him. It was kind of interesting, like what when with DK going back and forth with me. I think at one point I think I just said it's disgusting to see all the all the Pittsburgh sports media carry the water for nutting or something like that. And then DK said, what's disgusting is people like yourself who know how things work, say all these things just to get people riled up, blah, blah, blah. Um, and like, my thing is like, I understand how it works, but it doesn't make it right. Like, and you know, DK was like, hey, everything, you know, everybody does this. Everybody does this. And then the very next day, uh, yes, the, Reds, drum roll. the Reds announced Hunter Green will be starting. Uh, on the team and it wasn't it wasn't even me who said it i was just like you know 
good job to the Reds. They deserve to be like, if you do these things, you deserve to be applauded for doing them. So, so good job, Reds. Um, somebody, I forget who it was, replied and was like, I was like, well, didn't somebody just tell you yesterday that, you know, this is something that all teams do. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't like arguing with people on Twitter. I know it seems like I might, but I would like to just not have to argue with people if the pirates would just do the right things. That's really what gets to me just really upset. And we'll get in. I don't even know if we'll get into it today. There's so many things that, that we could talk about. Um, but it's this whole off season was just a joke. This off season has been a disgrace to the game of baseball. If you're a pirates fan, but it's been that bad. It's been terrible. Yeah. It's just, it does. Yeah. I think made step a sense. I feel like every step of the way you just question, wait, what, why, why this happened? And here we are, you know, minutes before the show, we have our next question of why, why this happened? Like, why is Josh Van Meter now a pirate? I, I don't understand the transaction. I don't get it. And it just like, it just routinely happens. Every time the pirates do something, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Um, you know what? I just want to be in that real quick. No, I want to give a quick shout out to YGAVs because he has just been the voice of the voiceless this week. He has collected everyone's thoughts and somehow put it out so eloquently. Not in Jim's way of, uh, okay, F you. See, I said F, Eloquently not in that sweet spot yet. And brash. Yeah. Is like perfect. I mean, it's poetry. <laughs> so just reading what he's saying, it just captures a soul. Yeah, it's a good shout out. Yeah, everyone else is talked. <laughs> He he definitely puts things into words better than than pretty much anybody else. Um, I feel like he kind of. I really can't argue or or with anything that he's said this whole week. I, I he he's kind of put every one of my thoughts down one hundred percent. You know everything that he said, I agree with. So yeah, if you haven't checked out his his rants over the past week, that's pretty much what I think, and he says it probably a little bit better than I do. Because he has a PhD and he was on Jeopardy. And I mean, you know, look at me. That's <laughs> right. I went to Louisville. I mean, geez, come on, guys. Yeah, I know. And I think where everyone's just becoming so exhausted is like Jim argued about 2DK about the reporters carrying the water for the pirates. We all understand why they're doing things, but we don't need it beaten into our skull about how it's a smart move over and over. And how the pirates aren't going to change now and this and that. And everything that some of these reporters are saying is so condescending. We know why they're doing it. It doesn't, we're in year like, well, of the Sherrington era, we're in year three of this rebuild. We're still talking about trading Brian Reynolds. When does it stop? And you know what, like the problem to me about this. So before we get, too deep into this i think like as jim said we we probably could have a four-hour show tonight and not even hit on what the topic of the show is so we want to mm-hmm. try to condense this a little bit right because again tyler's got to go to bed 
But uh-huh. like my biggest thing too about this whole thing, to kind of sum it up, right? Which I was trying to hit really hard on Twitter, is sure that's MLB. That's been the MO for the Pirates for how many years? That's been the MO for a lot of MLB teams throughout the years. But here's the difference. This regime has come in and has stated things, which goes against these these patterns and routines, right? How they're going to be player-centric, how they're going to let the players pretty much determine. And we don't mean that because I saw some stupid-ass, sarcastic freaking tweets of people saying how, oh, you think they're just going to tell you where they're going to play? No, it's not about telling you. It's not like I'm going to wake up one morning and say, hey, Charrington, I want to play in AAA today, even though I'm 17 years old. It's about their play dictating where they're going to go. And O'Neill Cruz's play has dictated that he earned that promotion last year because the Pirates said it dictated and they were going to reward him for that promotion. So if last year, his play, which also, mind you, Charrington's come out and said how AAA is in a developmental league. If you succeed, right, and pass AA, if you get the pass on AA, we feel you're ready for the big leagues. He did all that last year. There's no excuse of him not being in Major League Baseball right now, unless it's something else, which we could probably get into. And we know it's the, the outfield glove, right? So it's that. Like it's it's the fact that you, oh, we're gonna try to win. We're gonna try to do this, all this, and this, and this, and this. And then you're saying all that one side of the mouth, but then your actions are doing another thing outside of your other mouth. And what's the message? Like I keep pre- preaching culture. Like, like what are we doing here with this? If you're saying one thing and doing the other thing. Like as a player, I'm just like, what, what? What's the point? There's what you're saying doesn't matter. It doesn't make sense. It's it's not truthful. So there's that part. But then there's the other part. Yes, this is what the mo of you know Major League Baseball has been for years. But there's a new CBA with new things that incentivizes doing the opposite. If you are a rebuilding club and you have a player who potentially could be rookie of the year. And if not, come second place, you have the opportunity of landing an extra draft pick that comes after the first round by starting him opening day. You are a rebuilding team. That is something that you would want. And you ultimately decide because of the extra year, which would be alleviated by signing to an extension is most important right now, which you're ultimately probably going to extend him anyways. And if he wins rookie of the year, he's going to lose that year of service time anyways. So what was the point? And now you just alienated him. But you know what I think is the real reason he's down there. They're going to hold him down until June. He's not going to get Super 2 status. They're going to hold him down till after that deadline passes and they're going to try to save money. They're not calling them up before then. Because I don't see why you would leave him down for three weeks with the chance of him winning rookie of the year being so high. And that just going poof, the draft picks without wanting to just keep him down for super two. And then he's not winning rookie of the year. You're saving money. And truthfully, they might as well at this point because they've already screwed everything else up. It's the only smart move left. So I'm afraid I think Tyler is right. 
you know, this, this, the, the new role for the CBA and the rookie of the year, you know, you're going to see a lot of teams. It sounds like taking advantage of that. Like it, it seems like the Royals are going to, are going to have Bobby Wood Jr. on their opening day roster. It seems like the Mariners are probably going to have Julio Rodriguez on that opening day roster. Like they're rolling that dice and they're saying, Hey, these guys are good. They're going to put together a good season when we do call them up. So let's just call them up opening day. And then that way we get rewarded for it. Right. The pirates did the opposite. Right. And so we'll see what the Mariners and the Royals actually do. I'm, I'm actually really interested now to kind of see, see all that take place. Like what do the Royals do? What do the Mariners do? What do the, what do the, um, the Tigers do? Uh, you know, Phillies with Bryson Stott just kind of going off right now. Like, what are they going to do? So there's a few other people in the mix that are kind of in the same boat. Um, are they going to do what the Pirates did or are they going to do something else? Um, because if like the Pirates are the only people to, to send down their stud prospect while every other team called them up opening day, then all these people who were in my mentions over and over and over and over and over and over and over again saying, this is the system the players agreed to. They wanted something else. They should have fought a little bit harder for something else. Then the, that, that was my Tyler voice. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually pretty good. Actually. Yeah, that was my imitating a dumbass's voice. Yeah. If yeah. you imitated it well. So, so my thing is like, if all these teams actually demonstrate a change in their behavior when it comes to dealing with their top prospects at the beginning of the year, then it's not just it, like this, the CBA worked. Then like the, the players did something about it. It's just the pirates continuing to operate like cheap scumbags like that's what they're that's what it would end up being right so i'm curious to see what these other teams do um because there's a lot of players who i feel like uh, are are ready for the majors and like kind of right on the brink there that maybe in past years would have been sent down similar to what the pirates just did with Cruz. uh but we uh are going to see see them start opening day and it's like, again, like the biggest win, the, the, the best case scenario for the Pirates would be to start O'Neill Cruz opening day, would be for him to win rookie of the year. So they get that draft pick and then to extend him to a deal. That's the best case scenario. And for, a, a, honestly, a GM who has played that high risk, high reward like mentality throughout this whole, you know, this tenure, right? I mean, as we talk about every trade, it's not safe, right? He's going for younger guys, a little bit riskier, but the high reward in that sense. And he's just playing it completely safe right now. I'm not even going to attempt to try to get that draft pick. I'm not really going to like. We're not even. We're not even talking extension for Brian Reynolds. So clearly, we're not for for O'Neill Cruz. But like, you're not even trying to do the best case scenario for this team in that situation. So, and then like, the next thing that really, really, really pisses me off. You had all offseason. If the real reason you wanted to send him down to AAA was because you wanted him to learn off the uh, outfield, right? And he hasn't had much time or experience in outfield. How come he was given an outfield glove, what, less than two weeks ago? How come he had all offseason and not once said, hey, you know what? Work on your outfield. So, so like, what this tells me is if you want to play, if you want to, play me dumb and think that's the real reason that I'm going to call you out for. That's a terrible mismanagement on your end. 
That's absolutely terrible that it took you this long to decide, I need O'Neill Cruz to play outfield. That speaks a lot more to you. It's your fault then that he needs to learn outfield today because you could have gave him every opportunity during this whole entire time for six months to maybe learn it a little bit. So what does that say to you? Everything you guys are saying is why I truly believe that they are holding him down until he's no longer a Super 2 player. Because it just does not make enough sense to me to not call him up right away. You've already lost the opportunity for the draft pick. Are you really that worried about that extra year control? And now they're making up this outfield stuff. They would have just kept him at shortstop. And, and Charrington's committed. Every single quote you look, we, we look at him as a shortstop. We view like, are you really going to tell me? Are you really going to tell me that in three weeks he's going to learn to play the outfield? He yes probably could. No. Exactly. exactly. Yes yeah. and no. To, to go against the, the point we've been driving home, I guarantee it's not going to take him. Now, I mean, three weeks maybe cutting it, right? But I don't think it's going to take Ono Cruz two years to learn the outfield. Like, you're not preparing him for 2024 to learn the outfield, which is why I haven't wanted to move off a of shortstop right now. I don't think it's yeah. – that's why you get these uber athletes in the middle infield because they can transition yeah. and move off of it. That's and what it the would, whole freaking rebuild has been about. It's a real shame that they haven't had like three weeks prior to maybe at least run them through some drills. Right. No, they made the decision that they were going to send them a triple A and they had to come up with a reason. Bingo. So this has been the plans all along. Because again, because again, when you look at last year's quotes, which I, I tweeted out there, right? Jake is the one who posted it. And I'm using his quote to put out there. But he, Charrington basically says that like players are going to have a better chance making the club next spring. And Errol Cruz is one of them. You knew from right then and there he's not doing it. Because it, it's the whole outcome. You had to find a way to keep him down now. He did not play himself out of making the club by any means. So it's not like he had to scramble to find a way. He's playing himself on the team. So you knew damn well from that moment you were speaking in October, he wasn't making the club. I could be naive here, but in terms of development, he's going to get no development in AAA. He's going to go down there and he's going to rake. And if you're worried about his strikeout numbers, they're not going to get lower because he's just better than these guys. He's going to develop in the majors because he's going to be challenged there. He's going to kill AAA pitching. His approach isn't going to change because he's just going to see fastball and hit it over the fence. Do you have anything to say, Jim? We have some questions and comments. <laughs> I mean, up. yeah, I mean, we, we already have seen what he's capable of doing in like his short time in AAA, he absolutely mashed. We've seen spring training now. He's clearly an elite level hitter. Um, his his ball, his bat to ball skills, his you know striking ability. If we're talking golf, like the exit velocity on his on his hits are just absolutely insane. Like he's 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 John Carlos Stanton esque. Like when he when he hits the ball. And there's no one else on the Pirates who is capable of doing the things that he does. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, 
the whole development thing is just that's just the pirates lying to us. No one actually in their right mind could watch O'Neill Cruz right now and say that he needs more time to develop before, you know, trying him out in the major leagues. Um, you know, someone asked me, well, are you 100% sure that he's ready for the majors? No one's 100% sure anybody's ready for the majors. I'm not 100% sure Brian Reynolds is actually good, right? He's, he's one year removed from a god-awful season, right? I think he's good. I'm like 98% sure he's good, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, and, and so, but there's nothing that Cro- that Cruz has done to this point to tell you that he doesn't deserve a shot on this team. And, and anybody saying anything other than this is just blatant service time manipulation is lying to you. And if they're, if they're, if they're saying this on behalf of the team or, or they're telling you, Hey, this is just how, how this works. I, I get that. This is how this works for some teams. It doesn't have to work like this because we're seeing other teams not do this um but we're not seeing the pirates uh the pirates refuse to to do this uh, and they they will get that extra year out of o'neill cruz and it's just disgusting it's it's bad it's unethical it's it's blatant wage suppression you know if you kind of look at it from like a from, from like a worker versus man. Well, Jim, that's standpoint. I, I know what wage suppression is, and I don't think <laughs> I have different ideas of that. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. Like, whatever they are—they are deliberately suppressing O'Neill Cruz's future earnings is what they're doing by by this. And that's just—I'm sorry. No matter how you look at it, I don't care if this is a good baseball decision. It's wrong. Like that is a wrong thing to do to an individual. And for the first time in a long time, you can argue it's not a good baseball decision. Normally, yeah, okay. You can argue it. New CBA, I don't know. You can, but it's it's questionable now. And just real quick before Denardo gets to the questions, I'm not saying that O'Neill Cruz won't struggle in the majors. He could come out and have his struggles. He could hit 200 and strike out a bunch. He's not going to do that in AAA. And if he does, it's because he's bored. Mm-hmm. Right. And he needs to face competition. He needs to be challenged. He's going to go down there and he's either going to hit 350, hit the ball over the park at 120 miles an hour and probably kill some poor left fielder that is a quad A player that the Pirates will probably employ next year. Or he's going to, you know, hit like 230 and strike out a bunch because he just doesn't care to be down there anymore. It's a waste of his time. Yeah. And like we know it's a very small sample, but. In his tenure of AAA in six games, he hit five home runs. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> but that kind of goes, one of the questions I'll bring up or comment more or less was the fact that, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Cruz does in Indy. So if he struggles there, it'll soften the move. If he dominates there, it'll be huge pressure to call him up sooner than June. Like, I get that. I mean, that's fair. I'm on board with you guys, too. I don't feel like he's going to struggle. It we'll see like how much he dominates, right? But it's kind of like what Jim was talking about last week when if he's there and he's batting like 400 and triple A and just killing it, and you got Kevin Newman on shortstop hitting 200. Like, what's the excuse? And, and who knows, maybe Josh Van Meter or who, the next flavor of the week that we're going to talk about here, too. But it's like if you had that going on, like you're talking about the pressure here, right? And if the idea, like you're saying, is Tyler is to wait till June now, just alleviate everything. Don't allow him to get rookie of the year. That way you don't have to worry about the draft pick compensation. 
then how do you justify that now? Oh, they will. They'll play him primarily in the outfield. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. And I, they'll just put him in the outfield in triple A. Any any air he gets, it'll be well two more weeks. <laughs> Three more weeks. <laughs> um, another one here is so Josh says, work on your outfield, work on your shortstop. I'm fine with either. 930 fielding percentage isn't going to cut it at the MLB level. Jim, I go take, take issue it. with this. I'll, you know, Jim, this you have the <laughs> no, Anthony, go ahead and take it. You, no, no, you no, took, no. Yeah, sure. Okay, Jim. Because I know you and I are on the same wavelength here. Minor league fielding, <laughs> minor league fielding position, fielding percentage is perhaps the worst stat in the world. <laughs> like, don't even like look at it. It it doesn't mean anything. And there's a few reasons for that. One, minor league fields just aren't as good as major league fields. As soon as you get to a major league field, you instantaneously become a better fielder. That's a fact. Um, the other thing, too, minor league first basemen aren't as good as major league first basemen. So when you throw a ball in the dirt or if you throw the ball slightly off target, the major league first baseman is going to make the play. The minor league first baseman's not. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of things here as far as, like you know what 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 there's going to be um, minor leagues. You're not going to have as well as good scouting reports, so you're not going to be positioned as as perfectly as you would in the major leagues. Uh, so you'll have more time because uh, because you don't have to maybe have as much range in the major. So there's so many things that go into it. Like I would I would implore you if you're citing minor league fielding percentage to like look at other people who have struggled mightily with minor league fielding percentage. And then look to see what happens as soon as they reach the majors. That minor that minor league fielding percentage. Uh, I mean, if we're talking shortstops, just for example, Fernando Tatis Jr. had almost a, an exact same minor league fielding percentage as O'Neill Cruz right now. Uh, and and is, is Fernando Tatis Jr. the best shortstop in the world? No, but he plays a serviceable position and he's a super valuable player because he can play shortstop and he's an elite level hitter. Um, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr., isn't the best fielding. He's not going to win a gold glove. No one's saying that O'Neill Cruz needs to win a gold glove, but Tatis's fielding percentage throughout the minors at shortstop was in the nine thirties. Um, and now it's not, <laughs> and, and it's not that necessarily that, that, that he became better. It's you play on better fields. You, you have better players around you. You it's, I would just implore you minor league fielding percentage. Don't even look at it. It means nothing. Right. And like also, I understand too, like the yeah. questions about him playing short. But so let's find out. Like let's, let's end it. Who is blocking O'Neill Cruz? Like Kevin Newman is not blocking O'Neill Cruz. And stop with the we gotta move him off now because of Piguero. Don't tell me Piguero is blocking O'Neill Cruz. He's a single A baseball player. He's not blocking a top 15 prospect in baseball. So no one's blocking him. So find out. It, it's that. <laughs> I forgot about if that Figaro like, argument. Not- <laughs> we had so many arguments this week that I forgot that that was one of them. Is that they had to move him off of shortstop because Figaro is coming. Right. A guy that hit had a one hundred six weighted runs created plus and high A ball is on his way. So we got to move and, a freaking unicorn off the position. And that's just the thing, like. I hope he does make it, obviously, right? And even if he does, 
you'll find out then. Like you'll make it happen. That's the great thing about baseball. Things just tend to work out. And if in two years from now, Piguero is a stud and he's a way better defender and you feel it's fit, well, then give O'Neill Cruz an outfield glove over a whole freaking offseason and he'll find his way to be an outfielder. I guarantee it. It's not going to be a struggle for O'Neill Cruz to figure out outfield. But again, going back to this, it's just this simple. Why do we have to have an argument of whether he can or can't play? Why don't you just let the top prospect show you? if he can or can't play on a club that's going to contend on losing 100 games this year. So, like, why not? He's not hindering your club. It's not like we got to find out if he's good or not, but our team could win the division and possibly a World Series. He could cost us games. You have nothing to lose this year. Let him tell you. Let him prove to you if he's good or not. It's that simple. We don't have to argue about it. And the yeah. other thing too is like the entire like everything that we've heard from Ben Sherrington is they think he can play shortstop. Yes. So the Pirates think he can play shortstop. So to be honest, I don't care if there's a random person on Twitter who says that they don't think he can play shortstop because the Pirates have told us over and over and over again that they do. <laughs> so if you don't think he can, cool, you're entitled to that opinion. But the Pirates have told us for years now that they think he can play shortstop. Um, and, and now they're just giving us this reason to blatantly manipulate his service time. June 22nd, 2021. Altuna Curve Manager Miguel Perez mentioned that since O'Neill Cruz has continually gotten better at shortstop, he will start getting more reps at the outfield, getting a better read off bats. June 19th, GM Ben Charrington said of O'Neill Cruz, we're going to want to see him move around the field a little bit said moving around will mostly be in the outfield. However, Charrington said they do want to continue to play Cruz at shortstop. April 15th, blah, 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 blah. We want to see guys get exposed more to one position in the field. So, like, the whole outfield stuff is just, like, that's why I wasn't getting, like, in an uproar about him seeing outfield in spring training this year. Was, like, it is kind of their MO. They want to have players experience different positions. And that's something we are seeing right now is, Position flexibility. Like a lot of these guys we talked last week can play, can, right? But have the ability and have played a lot of different positions. It's like I get playing him there. Ben Charrington, no Cruz is in Bradenton. He's full participant in camp. Hints that Cruz will get some outfield time, but Pirates also believe he can play shortstop. Like that's all you keep hearing. He's going to play some outfield. Cool. But he's, he can play shortstop. You guys can attest. I've been all aboard that I don't think he will stay at shortstop. I've also said multiple times, I don't know everything we need to find out. He's a freaking unicorn. His positional value at shortstop is way too high to not take the chance. If he turns out that he can just play even a slightly below average shortstop, you've got a dude that hits rockets at the position. Right. Again. Like Tatis, because he's a shortstop, is that much more valuable? Like a shortstop hits 40 home runs is way more valuable than a right field hits 40 home runs. Like imagine how much more just pick them off the street, but it's like imagine Giancarlo Stanton could play shortstop. Yes. Yeah, he's valuable. It'd be great if 
with O'Neill Cruz out in left field. Sure, he's still going to be good. Like, think about like Tatis got the three hundred million dollar contract. He could have been last year's Kyle Schwarber if he's in right field. Like Kyle Schwarber had a great year and he signed a three year deal this year. Like, like I'm just looking at like you know like think about that. Like you, that, that's why you want to give him every opportunity to play shortstop. Because if you could add another O'Neill Cruz in the outfield for a much cheaper deal and have two O'Neill Cruises on your team, that would be very, very good. Instead of having an O'Neill Cruz, and and then who knows who your next Dan Vogelbach, Clint Barnes. <laughs> so, yeah, anyways, we're hammering. Denardo, I think Denardo, like we're you, forty minutes into this, right? Yeah, I know. But real quick, you do know how valuable left field is in PNC Park. It's so big, so we got to play him there. Right. Just like Starley okay. Marte. It's way more valuable in left field rather than center field. Which I'm okay with that. Like Kutch wanted to play, you let him play there. I know. But until it's just, he just but that's the only crew situation. Like you just let him play at shortstop until it's just detrimental or you just can't happen anymore. If it's passable, which yeah. we can find out. Basically, yeah. That is a is that's actually good. that is actually a very good point. Like the guy's different. He can play there. It's okay. It's that treatment. Hey, Piguero, go learn left field. O'Neill's happy at shortstop. We're going to keep him there. But I mean, that's the thing. If O'Neill cruises the shortstop and Piguero all of a sudden becomes ready and O'Neill cruises playing serviceable shortstop, like O'Neill cruises the shortstop. <laughs> go learn second base. Exactly. Uh, A-Rod, uh, Jeter, like shortstop. So you're going to play third. Right. Right. Like it's, I, I apologize, Pagara, that you're just born too late. Like that's just what it is. Cruz was here first and he's a stud <laughs> potentially. And if he is, a and you stud, don't hit a baseball like that. You're not telling him to get off for Pagaro unless it's just not good. And you have that conversation with him and you make it work. Well, if it's passable, he's your freaking shortstop. But again, just find out. All right, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. Jesus. We got plenty of time. I'm telling you, we this, can go this, on forever about this. I was saying this but, whole show is supposed to be about the pitching stuff. Dude, this right? pitching breakdown. Yes. Let's just oh, answer got- one more question, right? One more topic. Then we'll move on to the the hit the pitchers. But about the trade today, people are asking, right? The one that has happened with Josh Van Meter. Like, what do we make of it? Um, I don't necessarily know how many AAA utility infielders this team needs, but they just acquired another one. Um, so somebody and, I, and I'll give I'll give uh, you know shout out to Rumbunter here. Um, I know he just he just won a Jaggy, so you know congrats on the Jaggy. <laughs> but um, Rumbunter, you know, said today. Uh, you By know, the way, maybe... also if we're doing shouts before we get that, I just want to shout out Jeff <laughs> too for the Jaggies. That was that was great. Yeah. So kudos to you. Um Rumbonder did just send out a tweet a little bit ago, right after the right after the trade was announced. Hey, maybe this is just an indication. Like like maybe Van Meter is just like backup in case Key Brian Hayes' ankle isn't ready for opening day. That's really like the in in, in kind of looking at the roster and the way it's constructed right now. That's like the only thing that I can think of that makes sense. Um, because if you look at the rest of the roster, 
someone like Josh Van Meter, like just doesn't, they have people like Josh Van Meter. So like, why do we need another one of these guys? Um, but if it's something where Key Brian Hayes is going to be out for a week or whatever, um, then then maybe this makes sense because it's another bat. Jim, stop being nice, stupid. Oh, I'm not saying it's it's a good. I, I'm just trying no, to. Like, we don't need. I'm just trying to like make about sense it. of it. No, I'm just trying There's to make, no make it. Yeah. I mean, they don't have. They didn't have to make this move. Obviously, they could have just rolled with what they had, even if Hayes is hurt. But that's the only thing I can think of that makes this semi make sense. Is maybe Hayes starts on the IL. The only thing I can think of. Right. Who did Van Meter get drafted? Just to follow up. So another question here is: Does he have an option left? He, he does not. Nope. That like he is out of options, which is why he was DFA'd, and this trade happened. His own team, which isn't good, who saw that minor league firsthand season he had last year as a 26-year-old AAA player, said even though we're not good and we could use middle infielders, we don't want you. So go ahead, Tyler. No, just it, it doesn't make sense. Like There's no reason for it. There's enough guys hanging around in AAA who can play the position as well as he has, which is not good. He's not even a below average major league hitter. He's a awful, god awful, could get outrighted if he will be in Japan next year type of player. He's awful. It's just another quad A player that they picked up to buy four weeks of everyone's stupid lives because we spend our time watching this stupid team while a guy like a Diego Castillo will end up getting sent down to AAA because God hates me and I can't have anything nice. And we're going to have to watch some Van Meter guy, Anthony Alford, Cole Tucker, Michael Chavis, Kevin Newman, Greg Allen, whoever that is. <laughs> that's, that's what we get because God hates me and I can't have anything nice. And so, like, the, you've kind of hit it there, both of you. Like, this just seems like a needless transaction. Like, it was just a transaction to do because you're like Tyler right now drinking, right? You got bored. You're on your fantasy team. You're like, I want to make a trade. So, you just made a trade to make a trade. What does he add to the club? So, if you want to make sense of it, as, as Jim was trying to with that, right? Like, like, okay, let's try to make sense why it happened. Maybe this is a precursor that Cruz will go start on the IL. And so here's like a Hayes. replacement in the meantime. Hayes. You, Hayes, my bad. Hayes is on the IL. You, you have that already with your team, with your club. And it's a lot of those players that you have that you probably want to find out about. So like we know Cruz isn't going to be one of those players, but there's Diego Castillo, right? You have Tucker, there's Newman, there's Hoy Park. There's potentially Chavis, right? You made the trade last year of... So you already have enough of these players that are yours. So wh- why don't you want to learn about them? <laughs> what's, what's because Diego Castillo is 24 freaking years old and he needs more seasoning in AAA probably. And that's what, to me, like this is the biggest thing. So I, I've we've been harping on the train, like Alfred needs to be DFA'd. And to me, him being DFA'd is a great way of getting Diego Castillo on this team. He's your second baseman. You have Allen. 
You have Gamble. You have Reynolds. Tucker is that super utility guy, which it seems like they're trying to mold him into, which we said that's probably going to be his role if he's going to be a major leaguer. So, like, there it is. The perfect fit. Well, now what? what's this guy going to – like, now he's here. So does this mean Castillo's job is – is now in AAA. Like he's done everything as well to earn it. He had his fourth home run today in the minors, minors in spring training. And you're you're coming out saying things again, right? You've come out and said that Diego Castillo is playing for a job. Like those are literally Charrington's words. He is playing for a job. He's done everything he can do to, to earn that job. And you're going to get a guy who right now, currently in spring, is batting 143. And is a career hitter, uh, a 212 career hitter in 649 plate appearances. You traded for him. You went out and got him to take this guy's job away. Again, we're talking about messaging and culture. What was the point of this? That's where I'm lost. I'm just hoping it's a precursor to DFA Anthony Alford. Because Again. somebody does, someone has to get DFA. Because if I'm correct, they got to select Michael Perez's contract, and he's going to have to be added to the forty man. Unless they, find I mean, they could, catcher, but there has to be. They could. Uh, some catcher has to. Be someone's added. going to have to get off this forty man, right? Yeah, and not to mention, well, there there are two people who I think they haven't been able to technically add to the IL yet. So like Cedarland and Mears. Have they technically been That's moved right. yet? Oh, so like, mm, I think they have. I, hmm, I need to look now too. Because those, I think those last I checked, the they were going to be all over okay. us right now. Where's Ethan? Yeah, because <laughs> that that would be that would be the you know two open spots. I'm not really sure. Um, but well, I mean, I, they had to get rid of yeah. Jared Olin is on the 60 day. Mears is on the 60 day. Yeah. Okay. Those so they're are both official. There. Yep. So someone will have to be removed. Which again, also if they plan on having Jared Eikhoff on this opening day roster, which I think if you're like looking at the bullpen, he probably sneaks in there. Um, he also isn't on the 40 man. Jim's like, I'm going to throw a precursor to our topic of the show, which is three hours in. <laughs> right. No, I, I think. Again, I, I mean, I don't know if Van Meter is going to make this team. I think this is just like insurance policy in case Hayes does have to miss time. I, I wouldn't read too much into this. I could also see this maybe as like lighting a fire under Michael Chavis and saying like, hey, you've been really bad so far. Um, you're not a shoe in to make this roster anymore. Like we went out and got this guy, you know, start performing or you like are <laughs> or, or you are done, right? Um, so, I, I mean – Jim, I get what you're saying, but we're going to lay the fire under a bad player with a bad player. Here's my deal, though. Like, they they didn't yeah, lose like, anything with substance Diego here. Is doing right now? <laughs> no. Like, if his fire's not lit by Diego Castillo, it's really going to be I'm, lit by Josh Van Meter. I'm to the point right now where Diego Castillo is on this team. Like, I he would be surprised be. if he's not on this team. And I think he's probably your opening day second baseman. Um. Unless Hayes is hurt, right? That is but what should happen. I, I I think we're at that point that that's where we're at. Um, I 
Hold up, Jim. You've Am- well, Amperes. Jim, you're froze right now. Just so you are aware. Uh, you're back. We've got Jim back. He's back. All right. But you forgot Perez. No, Perez is there. So I'm you're saying, saying they're carrying five. I'm saying they're carrying four bench players because there's nine position players now. But so Perez, yeah. right? Perez is a lock. Tucker yeah. is a lock. Is what I'm is what I'm saying. Tucker's a lock at this point. Okay. And then those last two spots, Park, Alford, Van Meter, Chavis. So who's starting right field then? Greg Allen. Who's starting left field? Gamble. Ben Gamble. Okay. Trying to do math here. Hold on. Math's hard for me. All right. You have six beers. Drink three more. <laughs> you have nine. <laughs> what, so what I'm saying, I'm, you're, you're, you're rolling with 13 position players, and you're rolling yeah. with a 15-person pitching staff. Yeah, I guess it all adds up there. But I'm thinking, I'm just thinking based upon the fan graphs, potential depth threat I was looking at. So if you, then you're looking at, so Gallon, da, 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 da. yeah, it makes sense, I guess. But so, yeah, sure. Yeah. So I mean, whatever those, you those last, those last two spots are for those four guys. Or if Hayes has to start on the IL, then there's three spots for those four guys. So, I mean, I'm not going to get too worked up over Josh Van Meter. I don't think he's going to be on this team for more than a month tops because he sucks. But, like, I'm, who cares? <laughs> who, who cares but at this point? <laughs> Jim, it's, a, it's still a, it's annoying that we have to – a month of our baseball season is going to be spent with Josh Van Meter on the team. And I know I shouldn't really complain that much because – our competitive team spent a month with Brent Morrell and Jason Nix. Like it's either him or Anthony Alford. <laughs> like, 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 pick your, could be pick neither. your, pick your shitty, that's, pick that's your shitty player. Like, could so we're just, we're just, we're just, we're just save that for a space. Mix. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think I'm not going to get too worked up about it. This is a depth move. It's not going to be anything worthwhile. Josh Van Meter, if he gets more than 60 plate appearances this year, it means something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. <laughs> okay, we Let's should have, move on from we Van should, Meter now. We should have a we should have a spaces whenever the opening day rosters announced. We could. We could. And to go way That's back no. in the chat, Dave White asked if we do anything special for opening day. Um, nothing particularly. We'll usually work. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just have uh, NS9 live that night. It is later in the day this this year, so it's at four twelve. That's right. Yeah. Four twelve so on four twelve. One, one o'clock game or one thirty. So hard. I feel so bad. For That's why they had they had a you know haggle for Brian Reynolds' you know arbitration numbers. Yeah, shot four one two is going to for at least yeah. six hundred thousand dollars. So that's true. Yeah, makes sense. Are we going to get to the point of this actual show? Yes, we are. So that's what we move forward <laughs> to. Um, so I think we can let's let's start off. He's on the show picture graphic, whatever you want to call it, and I think that's the real highlight. Like the only nice thing right now to say about the pitching staff is Mitch Keller. Like, let's just get into it. We. We talked a little last week. He showed another 
quality outing, you know, in between, what was that, two days ago? So Mitch Keller, I think all of us, I can speak for all of us when I say this, is on board the intrigue train. Let's see what he's got this season. And I'm excited for it. Like, this isn't just like, uh, oh, okay. Like, I'm actually, I'm now excited. This could be the Mitch Keller we've really been waiting for for how long. So which one do you want to take the floor now? Jim or the pitching Yinza? I think uh, I'll say pitching Yinza. Go ahead and say your piece about Keller. You've been talking about him on Twitter. I have. I've tweeted. I put it in a group text. I truthfully 100% believe you have to give Mitch Keller the ball on opening day. And it goes back to what the Dardo keeps talking about culture, everything you've been preaching and how they just keep telling you, if you earn it, you'll get it. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, there's my imitation of Jim's imitation. Nice. But the dude has, the dude went out there. He obviously worked hard this offseason. The velocity's up. Reward the fella. Give him the ball on opening day. Show him. We believe in you. We think what you did is going to help you. And we trust you. Also, there's not another dude on this roster that deserves the ball on opening day. You're going to give it to Jose Quintana? No. JT Brubaker? No. Give Mitch Keller the ball on opening day. Show him you believe in the dude. Because... Obviously, confidence is going to go a long way for him. And right now, somehow he's got even me believing in him, who was openly a huge critic of him. Um, yeah, I, I think everybody who's seen Mitch Keller this spring has seen just everything that you would want to see out of the guy. Um, he is attacking hitters. His stuff looks completely different from what it was before. Uh, he, he looks like an entirely different pitcher. He looks like the pitcher that like we thought he could be right. Um, and I know it's spring training, but you know, he, he's, he's looked really good. He's eight and two thirds scoreless innings, uh, and just, and just dominating people. Like he hasn't given up a run yet. Um, now I have a question for you, Tyler, just because, you know, you, you're the, you're the pitching guru here what is more important for Keller at this point? Because I'm wholeheartedly in agreement with you. Like he deserves probably to be the opening day starter right now, but there's also like schedule, like you got to schedule for this stuff. Right. Um, right now, if he were to be the opening day starter, he essentially couldn't go out there again between now and an opening day and build up his arm strength even more. Cause he would have to do something on short rest. Uh, like the way, the way that he like lines up right now is he would be, you know, the scheduled pitcher the day after opening day. So like, do you risk him having one more start and building more pitches and be ready for, 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 for the regular season? Right. Like how, how, what do you think is probably the best approach there? Because he literally can't go out there. I mean, he, he pitched over 60 pitches last time out. If the goal is to say maybe, hey, get to 75 this next time, and then you'll be ready for the season where you can throw 85, 90 your first time out. Right. Um, what do you think there? Because he, he, if, if he's the opening day starter, 
he cannot have a spring outing where he goes out there and throws 70 pitches. Yeah, it sucks. Because truthfully, they should have had this. No, I did think about this. They should have probably lined this up before. And it's that's why it's not going to happen. Personally, I would prefer to just either throw them out there in a short rest because, or give them a bull t- bullpen day in between. Find a way to do it. If not, find a way to at least give them like the home opener. Whatever we have to do here. But it's not going to happen. If it was up to me, I'd find a way to make it happen. But it should have been lined up before. It's just an argument that I'm having that I think he deserves to have the ball on opening day because I don't think anyone else has earned it either, and he has earned it. So it's kind of it's yeah. a straw man. It definitely is, but and I'm not going to be angry with the Pirates if they don't do it because they're not going to. But you could if you really wanted to. It's probably not worth the risk, but I still would. Yeah, because right now, if you're looking at like who pitches that day, you know the the person who would there, there's two players basically in line for opening day starter, and it's Quintana and Brubaker. Yes, if they've been kind of pitching on the same day, so let's and, not let it be Quintana. And so, so like from a scheduling standpoint, that's who we would be looking at. But I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Like from a merit standpoint, who's earned it and who I would like to see get it is Mitch Keller. Um, but at the same time, like, do you weigh, you still want, like the whole point of spring training here is to build his arm strength up and get him ready for the season. So like, do, do we need to get that fourth start in to build up so that when he does take the ball the first time out, you know, you're not having to pull him after 65, 70 pitches. Yeah. I mean, I think that's going to happen regardless though, on opening day is that also we're probably looking at 65, 70 pitches. And you're going to get pulled. Like yeah, Derek Shelton has been very open about yeah. not really Don't having a plan on it. Yeah, he so, someone made a joke to him about having an open day opener, but he has no plan for it, to yeah. the media at least. Yeah, I was curious on your thoughts there because just the way it lines up, where it's like a day off, so it's like, do you? Yeah, how do you make that work? If you can, but it's also one of those don't rock the boat. Mm-hmm. But so also with your own, I'm back and forth because you, you're looking at maybe 60 to 70 pitches regardless on opening day at this point. Is it really going to affect them? But is it also worth, you know, the potential risk of doing so? So I guess there's like one of those scenarios, like you're talking about, Tyler, like, you know, something you preach and talk about, like you would want to see Mitch Keller. This is the scenario where, but I can understand and relate to why it might not happen. And the reason I'm bringing this up and not to backtrack and go any deeper into this, um, but we will, of course, bring up this picture eventually, at least for a little bit. But this is also why I wasn't harping too hard. I wasn't too vocal on the Ronzi Contreras demotion, per se, right? Like getting sent down the minor leagues, triple A. As I was on Cruz. Like Cruz to me, no excuse, no nothing. You preach this. Here's the guy who's showing you ready. Whereas Ronzi, you know what? He he didn't have all the innings last year. He showed some signs of, uh, I don't know, like, you know, something wrong with him in spring or whatnot. So, like, 
that I can default to say, you know what, I can understand there's at least some reason why it's not happening. So like with Keller, yeah, make like I would love to give him the ball opening day. Like you have earned this kid. Like, you know, you're looking good. Like build up, like boost his confidence too. Like give him that reward. Like you're the opening day starter. Here you go. That would be great. But it doesn't align. I can understand. It's like I'm not going to fight tooth and nail or go up in his uproar if he's not. I think that would be really cool. It sucks that it's not, but I'm okay with it also. To me, what's more important is just getting Mitch Keller right. <laughs> you know, like opening day, that can come next year. If you do what you need to do, if he does what he needs to do, then he'll have more opening days ahead of him that he can pitch for. Get that part right first. Yeah, and to briefly touch on Contreras, like it, it, it's a little bit different of a situation than Cruz. You know, Contreras is younger. But, you know, Cruz, Cruz has been... <laughs> been in the minor leagues for a while like he's got a lot of minor league bats under his belt Contreras hasn't really done that in the minors he has i mean just above low a ball ronzi Contreras has thrown 61 innings uh between you know from low a ball from from you know above low a ball so that's not a lot um you did mention you know some concerns in the spring i think you know, he, you know, I saw somebody like there just seemed something off with him his last time out in the spring too. Like maybe it was a blister or something like that. Um, but I think Contreras is definitely somebody who could benefit from some time in the minors. Um, now, if you're making the argument here that the Pirates need to take the best 28 players north with them, Contreras falls in that category right like Contreras sure. is one of the best 15 pitchers on in, in this organization he's probably a uh, top two or three um but I'm not gonna get too crazy about hit this one because he could use some more development time not to mention <clears throat> with the elbow issues he had last year you probably really want to be careful with him and that's something I said. Doesn't too. need to be up right away. Oh, like uh, maybe it's a fault, but like I will always have more caution with a pitcher. Yeah. Pitchers are different. Yeah. It also could be a fault because you you do only have so many bullets in that arm. You're gonna get Tommy John seventy five percent of the time. But if you're gonna get Tommy John, maybe get it before the service time starts. Right. <laughs> Especially if you gotta get two. <laughs> I hate to say about the guy who's traded for like that's just the whole thing I just feel bad for Tyon but man like yeah like he had the Tommy John initially like all the issues he had the clock running yeah but um okay so get back to Mitch Keller I'm loving everything I see out of Mitch Keller I mean it's it's awesome now it's like the chicken and the egg thing a little bit here but like the one thing that really stood out much more than the outings themselves to me is that interview he had in his last outing where he was talking to Robbie. And I swear to God, if it wasn't every second word, it was every third word, the word confidence. That is like, I swear the, as much as he preached and talked about everything else, everything was confident, confidence, my confidence, my confidence, my confidence. And it's like, okay, so was it, you know, because we talked and we brought up the fort, you know, like it, we saw the velocity in this offseason, but, but great. But what's that going to do for you if you can't pitch still, right? So was it the fact that he got the velocity, right? It was the fact that he's working on some things that made him confident? Or was he starting to get confident in himself and then working the stuff? Regardless of what it is, 
he seems like a new guy. We we see the stuff that's different, but I'm seeing the the bigger part of this is the mentality of the guy. Because even last year, like the stuff for the past two years, like even the stuff wasn't great. He was never going to succeed because he just did not believe in himself. And right now, I see a guy who I feel like, and he talked about it even, right? I see a guy who feels like I can strike you out. And I'm going to throw you my best stuff and let's see if you can do it. That's what he's lacked this whole entire time. He's been scared. And now I feel like, still not opening day, still not real baseball, but I feel like we might see a guy on the mound this year who says, I'm going to give you what I got. And if you beat me, I'm okay with it. I'm not afraid of you beating me. I gave you my best. Let's go at it. And his stuff, like his best now looks a lot better. So that's good. I love, I'm loving everything from Mitch Keller right now. You just said it, the chicken or the egg. Like it could have been, it's like a hitter when you just tell him, hey, just back off the plate a few inches. And then they start raking baseballs all over the field. Did it really make a difference? Not really. But they saw a few balls that went to the wall. And all of a sudden, Mitch Keller's now seeing 98. And, oh, damn, I could strike people out. And that builds it. I mean, it's a little worrisome if he doesn't have it on a certain day. Is he going to have that same mentality? But right now, I'm, I'm all aboard that train. And you've just never heard him talk like this before. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, he barely talked as it was. And like, I feel like he couldn't shut up <laughs> the other day. Which again is good because it seems like he's very prideful in this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a new guy. That's, yeah, that's he's all, the most, he, the biggest thing of a Mitch Keller I can take away was that interview. He's always been uh, like, he's over analytical, I think. He's very into the track, man. And the, uh, what are they, God, what are they even called anymore? The thing that, Track spin rate and Rapsodo. all that stuff. Anyhow, Repsoto, yeah. He's real into that. So that can't get in your head when, you know, oh, I'm not spinning this much. And then you're tinkering and tinkering and tinkering. But right now, whatever it is, is working. So don't mess with it. And he's somehow conf- confident. Yeah, I mean, like I said at the beginning here, this is this is the Mitch Keller that we were all hoping to see at some point. Now, just we've seen it him string together a few spring training performances, and I cannot wait for him to pitch in regular season games and see what he can do with this new stuff that he's got. That's a very good point. Like we're talking about confidence now, but like what's it going to be if he has three, four starts and they're good to like see him and see like this now. I mean, I I don't know. My words are coming together. Well, but it's like we're, we see him on a high note now, but like, is it going to give him better? Could be a great trade chip at the deadline. To ignore Jim's point, but what happens, you know, if he starts getting rocked around a little bit, like his guys that are going to hit him, it's going to happen. Very true. Yeah. That'll be the test. So, yeah. Then he'll just be the same guy he always was. Yeah. I, I am curious to see what happens when he does get tested. You know, is he going to fall back into the Mitch Keller we saw that, you know, 
East Toronto spot and not throw. Well, yeah, we'll and we saw out. a little bit of a test. We saw a little bit of test in spring training when you know the, the Yankees kind of strung together a few hits that you know weren't weren't necessarily hard hit or anything like that. But you know he got in a little bit of a jam, got the bases loaded, and he got out of it. You know by by attacking. So that was good to see. Again, it's spring training, so let's let's see it with another deck on the stadium. You know, brighter lights. Let's see if he can can keep it up. Also, as far as stats go. So Mitch Keller, again, very, very small sample size, right? But Mitch Keller, 8.2 innings, seven strikeouts, one walk. Like the one walk really stands out. I know it's super small sample size, but like the one walk stands out. That's not the old Mitch Keller. That's guy who's nibbling, nibbling, nibbling and walking three guys in one inning. Cool. So we're all on board the Mitch Keller train. (laughs) Choo-choo. We are. Let's do it. Gregory Polanco 2.0. Just don't turn into Gregory Polanco. Bless you, Tyler. Okay, so who who next do we want to talk about? I guess, so we're talking about opening day. Potentially Katana. Potentially Brubaker. I feel like Katana could be short and sweet. He doesn't look good. I don't think we had high expectations when the signing was made. But he also doesn't look good. Albeit he's the veteran. His spring is probably a little bit different from others. Like, he's not out there really. I mean, you could argue it, but I don't think he's out there really fighting for a job, per se, especially on this team. I don't know. I guess there's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a fight. But again, his spring is a little bit different as that veteran. Um, so I don't know. What do you guys think about Quintana? Rotation, bullpen, opening day. He's going to be in the. He's going to be in the rotation, and I think you just hope it's a Tyler Anderson type situation, where you just eat some innings and help you survive the season. And Anderson, yeah, much I mean, more than that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, great, great point. Like, I, I think, you know, you mentioned Quintana hasn't looked good. I think out of all the pitchers that we will talk about here, spring training means the least to him, right? Like, we don't necessarily have to see Quintana dominate batters in spring training. The the main point of Quintana throwing pitches in spring training is to build up his arm strength. I think we kind of already know what we have with him, right? And and basically that is a guy like Tyler said, he's a, he's someone who can pitch innings, not be completely terrible probably, um and get us through the season, right? Because they're going to need people to throw innings. Um so I, I'm not really putting too much stock into his spring training uh, just because he's done this. I mean, this is going to be his 10th season in the major leagues. So uh, I'm not, I'm not necessarily worried about how he looks right now. Like he's, he's done this before uh, whereas the other guys haven't. Um, so that's, I guess my two cents on Quintana. He's in the rotation by the way. So. Fair enough. Man. And he's, he's not competing for any job. Fair enough. I uh, pretty much agree based on, of course, the players at hand. It's not as if this has a very quality rotation to fight for. So Mitch Keller, definitely. Quintana, definitely. You mentioned about Brubaker also for fighting day. So if it's going to be opening day starters, probably going to be Brubaker or Quintana. who seems to be like splitting those starts. So let's talk about Brubaker. And then do you think Quintana gets a nod, or do you think Brubaker gets a nod opening day? 
personally, I think Cantona gets the nod. I would give it to Brubaker if those are my two choices. Yeah, that seems like the two choices right now. Um, I would also lean Brubaker. Uh, I think you know he's probably you know he's he's the he had the best season last year out of all these guys coming back. Um, you know, I guess you could argue Zach Thompson probably was the best last year, but uh, I could see Quintana also starting opening day. But I think Brubaker is going to be that guy. Quintana is like a nod to like. 2015 Pirates fans, like I told you guys, we get them. <laughs> Josh Bell and yeah, I mean, actually, I don't, what trade would have been worse? You know? <laughs> at that point, like, it probably would. Yeah. At least Quintana yeah. was good then. For like, he was he was above average. I'm gonna say good. He was above average for a good port. He's great with the White Sox. Yeah, I loved him. I I loved Quintana's been my boy for years. I've yeah. loved Jose Quintana. Oh yeah, Quintana will go down as one of them. Like every year, trade pieces that Pirates fans wanted when they were competitive, next to Starling Castro. Right. <laughs> but anyways, I'm I'm kind of torn on this. It's not as if Brubaker has really done a whole lot to, to earn or deserve an opening day. Um, Quintana's like that veteran. Like you could see, give it to him. He's the vets. Here's your opening day. But at least Brubaker's also like has a future with the club. So I just kind of feel like I'm not going to really care too much who it is. I would prefer Brubaker just because he is a pirate. Will likely be a pirate next year. Quintana won't be. Hell, the deadline, Quintana might not be. So it's like I would give the nod to Brubaker. Here you go. But, um, it's not like either of them, and again, it's not like Brubaker's done a whole lot this spring either, but it's not like either of them are earning the opening day nod, <laughs> right? It's not like, oh yeah, give it to Brubaker. Right, right. His eight ERA and four innings, he's he's earned that. But I think overall, like if I'm going to put money on who has the better season this year, I think Brubaker will. Um, not that I think he is the, like, the greatest rotation piece. I've always, for the longest, felt like he's probably best suited in the bullpen. Last year, by default, he was there, and he actually like he impressed me. I know he didn't finish the season; like the overall numbers aren't there, but I really feel like a lot of it had to do with just he's been injured. He had a lot of innings last year, and so like I'm hoping he does build upon it. Maybe he does find his way in, as a be a starter one day and continue, I should say. But um, like I feel like he could be a decent pitcher this year in the rotation for the Pirates for what they need. Um, so it's like I would just give it to him. Or like Quintana, I feel like could just we hope he's a Tyler Anderson. Like best case scenario is a Tyler Anderson. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a lot better chance of being Eric Ben or uh, Eric Bedard. There you go. Or Cahill. Like he has a better chance of being yeah. Cahill than yeah. than Tyler Anderson this year. Minus some phantom injury. I think you, you bring up a good point about last year with Brubaker. Like he, he seemed like he was pretty competent and good to start things off. And then he just kind of wore down. Right. And just real quick, I, I wanted to kind of look to see what, you know, what his in, innings increase was. So uh, he, he pitched about twice, about two times as many innings in 2021 than he did in 2019 and 2020 combined. Um, so just to kind of give you a, an idea there. Like he, he probably just got tired at the end of the year, right? Like if you're looking at that, 
twice as many innings in one year than you threw the previous two years. It's just going to happen. So now that he's kind of got that year under his belt, you know, what's it going to look like next year? The project, the projection systems all kind of like him, right? Like if you're, if you're looking at like zips and steamer, like they, they have him as a semi, you know, basically an average arm. Um, he, he's really the best projected starting pitcher on this team actually. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I'm interested to see how he does. Um, I think he pretty much has a spot locked up in this rotation. And yeah, I, I want to see how he does with a full season after a full season. Cause like we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. I'm, I still want to see more brew Baker. I think there's enough there. It seems like he ran into, obviously he ran into home run problems, but he'd always run into the one inning where he just struggled. I think that, there's enough there to make him a four five starter and he could be a valuable piece to a future team. Even a valuable trade chip possibly. <laughs> yeah. God, I'm tired of talking about trade chips. <laughs> oh, it's all, I mean, everyone's a trade chip. I know it's I mean, frustrating. Is how old? He's got to be a trade chip. I mean, no one's, he's like 20. He's my age. I think on this, on this club, you're not in the future. How old is Brubaker? 28. I think so. He's going to be, tw- he's, he's 28 in four months. Yeah. Yeah. He's my age ish. So. So I, I do have like a little bit of a soft spot for Baker too. Like I know again, like his overall numbers last year just sucked, but I've, we were really talking him up early in the season. Like he was impressing me. He looked good. And then until he just didn't. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt in this situation. Um, so, okay, so I think we've locked up, though. We have Keller, you have Quintana, and you have Brubaker in the rotation. Who's your next two pieces? We got Zach Thompson. You got Bryce Wilson. Dylan Peters, Will Crow. So, personally, I'm going Thompson and Wilson. I don't like either. I think your hurry is in there whenever he's healthy. Um. I think Wilson's kind of the odd man out right now. Whenever some guys get healthy and Contreras comes up and all that, and then Thompson's the next man in line to be the odd man out, but a lot can change. Obviously, nobody stays healthy. But right now, I would I would go with Wilson and Thompson. Will Crow, I've seen enough. I don't need to see more of him as a starter. I pretty much agree with everything you said. Um Zach Thompson looked good today. So that was, that was nice to see him get a good solid start under his belt, you know, here, here in a Pirates uniform. I think uh, just based off of what he, did, what he did last year, he at least deserves an opportunity to show you if he can repeat it. Right. Uh, so I, I think Thompson slates in there and, and then, then you're basically looking at, okay, who's, who's next Bryce Wilson, uh, Dylan Peters or, um, Will Crow and uh, really none of those guys have looked great this spring. Uh, I think you give the edge to Bryce Wilson, but at the same time, he's on very thin ice. Like he needs to perform. Uh, otherwise, like Tyler said, you do have Ronzi Contreras sitting there in AAA, ready to go whenever he basically decides. No. We've learned it's not when he decides. If there's anything we've learned this week, Jim, 
It's that they don't decide. Even though they've told us, they decide. But I'm with you. Right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. And and like you said, I, I agree with Tyler as well. You know, I don't think you trade Jacob Stallings for Zach Thompson to put him in the, the bullpen. So I think like he's got that upper edge already just because of that. And then the same sense, like Bryce Wilson. I mean, they're both traded for, you know, with Will Crow, Josh Bell, Wilson, Rodriguez. But I feel like you have that pedigree with Bryce Wilson. Like, I, I don't, we've seen it. I guess the best way to put it, as Tyler says, we've seen Will Crow. I don't think it's there. I mean, it's a bad team. He'll get his shots this year anyways, too, because of injury whatever. Like, I'm sure we'll find him in the rotation at some point here or there. But I think all of us kind of agree, like, he's probably his best suit is to be, like, that two-inning relief pitcher. I don't think he's a starter by any means. He's going to be in the, in the bullpen. But I'm willing to give the opportunity to Bryce Wilson to find out what you have. Um, he hasn't looked good, but if you hear what he talked about after his last start, he liked it. He He was good with it. And we know that, again, spring training, it's not really all about the results, right? Especially on pitchers. So he was comfortable in, in his outing and such. So, like, I will I will give him the spot as opposed to other two. Let him not earn it and then slide him in. We're going to see a lot of guys in this, in this rotation. Like, it's not that meaningful either, I think, right now. There's going to be a lot of guys in this rotation this year. Yeah, and I think you, you have to also look at like an upside from an upside standpoint, right? True. Dylan Peters is 29, almost 30. Will Crow is 27. Uh, Bryce Wilson's the youngest pitcher. Actually, let me look. Youngest pitcher on this entire pitching staff, right? If, including the bullpen. Um, so if you're just thinking of it as in, okay, who do I want to see? Because, you know, there may be something there. You know, Bryce Wilson's that guy. Like, I, I want to see more of Bryce Wilson just because of where he's at in his stage of his career than I want to see from a Will Crow or a Dylan Peters. Agree. And I didn't bring up Peters. Yeah, Peters to me is just an afterthought. I mean, literally no one won him last year. There was some intrigue. I know I was kind of like, eh, maybe I'm going to hop on the, the Dylan Peters train a little bit here. But it's a whole new year. It's a whole new team. And it's not like I'm looking at Dylan Peters for the future. So. I'm like over him. He'll be in the bullpen, maybe, as we talk. All right. So you got, we got it up, right? It's going to be Keller. It's going to be Katana, Brubaker, Tom Thompson, and uh, Bryce Wilson, right? There's your five. Yeah. I think that that's what it should be. And if you argue against it, I don't know how you can. I mean, you could. How? Do you want to see Dylan Peters? I'm just saying it, the uh, it's not as What's if Bryce Wilson is an argument of topic. I mean, it's not like he's done a whole lot throughout his career to this point. It's not like he's done a whole lot this spring that you want to argue for a Bryce Wilson. Yeah, it's just differences. The There's so nobody else to that, argue for. That's what I'm saying. It's just that it seems so awful that neither of the other guys. So it's not like we're talking about Ronzi verse. Yeah, I'm, my big. I mean, I know Rones is on his way, but your hurry's the one I'm, I want to see more of. That's, that's a good point. Cool, cool. Okay, then uh, who are the yeah. 38 yeah. relievers that the Pirates going to carry for this? 
Wait, wait, 28. This is the part right? I don't know. God, 28, but I'm a... just, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, go I through the know. list. So, so you're, you're thinking now there's 10, right? They're going to carry 10, 10 relievers, which is just stupid. <laughs> but <laughs> everyone gets a job. Like, and it's not even baseball at that point, you know, that many relief wrestlers, but we'll, we'll, I digress. Um, Bednar, one, Stratton, two, Embry, three, right? Those are one, two, three absolute locks. Underwood Jr., probably a lock. Will Crow, Dylan Peters, you're still going to want to keep Peters probably around just for starting pitching depth in case you need it. So you're not going to DFA him. Um, then you're looking at, uh, you need some lefties. So band, uh, Howard. Hmm. And then I would take easy, but yes, (laughs) I'd probably go Medina and Ikoff. There you go. There's my 10. (laughs) So you're DFAing. How do you watch your, You know, you're, you're DFAing Fletcher um, to make room for Eikhoff. Everybody else is on the roster. Actually. Oh, come on. You you can't DFA Fletcher. We just talked about our 15 minutes two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there you go. That's it. That, that's my 10-man bull, bullpen. Okay. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Just throw a dart. once you get past that first six i don't care i mean it's true once you get past that those first six we're just dealing with people who are going to eventually be sent down when monsters go to the norm right we're just at that point you're just you're just picking bodies yeah you have you you just have guys that are like either out of options or they're just the other guys are not ready yet let me bring so up. So you don't have to. So you don't have to pitch Wilmer Defoe, you know, for two innings in the in the end of a blowout. Yeah. <laughs> Let me bring up a scenario, and I just say this because Sam Howard has not looked good. Now I'm not saying his roster spots not safe, because like by default he's not looked good, and he didn't look particularly that good at the end of last season as well, right? Do you think they could play a? injury thing like put sam howard on the aisle to carry fletcher who they did pick up who albeit short sample but has looked capable this spring unlike sam howard see sure. what they have in him until the next guy <laughs> <You won't>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean if they really want to yeah sure i the only reason i'm saying this right is because Fletcher hasn't like really been bad. And this is a guy that they did pick up. So I would assume there's some intrigue there. And it's not like he's really done anything to show like it's not that he's really gone out there and just proved that he belongs, but it's not like he's done anything to prove that like he doesn't. So to me, part of me feels like they're gonna find a way to get him on the on the team. That's all. Let me translate what Jim just said. I don't give a shit. I know you don't go for it, and it really doesn't matter because that was my, no. I didn't say about, that. I did. I did not say that. Jim did. I translated. Oh, but I'm just saying. Yeah, like, he was I, translating. I did all that too yeah. because these guys aren't worth arguing and fighting over, particularly. Um, but if we are going to break down this this pitching staff, right and such, I could be wrong. 
but I just feel like there's they're going to find a way to get Fletcher on the team. I mean, from a 40-man standpoint, it would be easier to do that than to take Eikhoff because you have to create a 40-man spot for Jared Eikhoff. Which they can absolutely do. Like, they can find room for anybody on this 40-man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you the, the... Uh, to To be honest, though, you almost... And this is just arguing here... You almost can't. They had to use so many of those 40-man spots for prospects to protect from the Rule 5 draft. They're, they're not actually... like I mean, with a 28-person roster, there aren't a whole lot of like interchangeable parts that you have that you can just like drop off there now. Because like if you're looking at pitchers, right? And we're talking about pitchers who aren't on the 40-man. Mm-hmm. You're not doing anything with Oviedo. Right, you just let him right. be on your roster for a year, so you can keep him. Um, you're probably not doing anything with Medina. We just actually named him as one of those ten. Cranick's um, not going anywhere. You know, he's actually starting pitching depth, who is still semi-interesting. You know, he's only 24. Yohore is not going anywhere. Contreras isn't going anywhere. Right, so those are your pitchers that are on the 40 man. You can't really do anything with any of those guys. Outfielders: Swaggerty, Swinsky, Kanon Smith, and Jigba. Probably not doing anything with either, with any of those guys. Mm-hmm. Infielders, Cruz, Piguero, can't do anything there. Chavis, you know, may, you, that's where you kind of have some maybe some wiggle room. But are you really wanting to DFA Michael Chavis for Jared Eikhoff? That's I probably would not want them to. I wouldn't want them to do that. Honestly, I would much rather have Michael Chavis. I do not care either way. I, I put it this way: either one of them. I'm I'm more on Tyler's side with with that particular scenario. Michael Chavis, Fletcher, ultimately at the end of the day, who cares? But you do bring up a good point, Jim, that this year it is a bit ha- harder because the, the 40 man is really utilized more as a hoarding of of players. It's not it's not keeping guys, it's not like depth. It's this is our future and they gotta stay on here. So we don't have a whole lot that we can like work with and tinker around with. So that that is a good point. Not like last right year. Right now, Michael so Chavis is the guy. Michael Chavis is the guy in the bar that's standing right next to the bathroom that won't let you get in because he's talking too much. Just get out of the way. Go. So we don't need you here. He's Tyler. No, nah, I don't stand by the bar. I sit at the bar. Are you sure you're sitting? Always. Okay. I'm never standing. All right. I'm lazy. But, but ultimately, like the point I'm getting at is it's not that there's a whole lot of talent. And again, like with Michael Chavis, I'm not too concerned if he's on this 40 man. Now I know there's people out there that like they liked the trade last year. To me, it was whatever. I get he was a first, you know, round pick and he was this prospect and he was a Charrington guy. So was Anthony Alford. He was a Charrington guy and he's been trash and like I, I don't really believe there's a whole lot there in Chavis. He's not showing it yet. And we're already talk like we're already picking up a Van Meter because of Chavis. You know, like so if we don't have Chavis on this 40 man, I'm not too concerned. I guess my thing is like because of Jared Eikhoff. Okay. Like are you are you cutting Chavis because of the number 10 bullpen guy? I can't wait to walk into work tomorrow. And be so tired 
and have them ask me why, because we were talking about Jared Eikhoff versus Michael Chavis till 11 o'clock. Right. Like, I want to, okay, so to go back to your point about Van Mural, I want to rationalize this. And to that point to rationalize it, we could do that to be rational. But, like, ultimately, at the end of the day, we are arguing about a Michael Chavis. The more and more I think about it, honestly, I don't know why they did the Van Meter thing. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. I know it doesn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to. I'm taking go back. back. To it. We're done. We're moving forward. I'm taking it. I'm taking Stop it. it back. <laughs> Stop. We got to start the show over. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I I don't really care. Like if it's what's if you need an arm, then. Chavis is gone. Like, who cares? Big deal. And then once Eikhoff's DFA, you bring up Hoyt Park or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, you you have better than Michael Chavis is already. I'm totally comfortable with no Michael Chavis. Which also is why the trade just, it's not like you gave up a whole lot, but why Michael Chavis? Give me some single A player. Especially this 40-man crunch we have right now. But anyways... So, I'm fine with that bullpen. <laughs> That's where we're at. Sure. I'm it sounds terrific. It. There was a question so asked bad. earlier to it's bring so up, uh, which I believe Dave said it. I, I see questions. I might not ask them right away. There's a method to it. So, he did say, though, that Ben Norris hitting 95, any concern? No. Not yet. I think I'm on board. I hate to say the name, so I'll admit it, omit it, but I'm not totally concerned with velocity in spring. I'll say just to say. I'll help you. I'll help. No, I'll help you. Okay. Mark Melanson used to sit like 90 to 91 in the spring. Oh. I know. I was trying. I know. I was avoiding the one you were going to say. No, you, you but don't. I also, but that's I, true. Yeah, I, I was like, bringing up Vasquez. I feel like we that also, was Vasquez's concern every year. Why is he no, hitting? But I also feel like I. That's I feel why, like, Donardo. I mentioned Melanson to avoid that. Oh, oh <laughs> you were helping me out. <laughs> yes. Okay. But I also feel like the same thing we went through with Jason Grilly and Matt Caps like multiple times. So I, I'm not really too concerned with relievers. <laughs> Not looking tip top shape, you know, right out of right out of the gate. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Once we're in May, if he's still ninety five, then then you might think about it in walking guys. Right. To me, that's when. Like, how long does this last? Is when it's problematic. Because for a lot of those players, it was you know into April. Like you're still having that, and then May came and. There are those dudes again. And that's why I'm not too concerned. But to go back a little bit and not too long in sense, even more why I'm impressed about Mitch Keller. Because like the fact that he's just blowing the radar at this point in time. And to that degree, too, I want to bring up so his last outing, his two fastest fastballs, 98.6 miles an hour, was on pitch number 55 and pitch number 59. So this is the deepest he went, and his Two hardest throws were she right said. before he's taken out. So the velocity's there, and it's good. Lord, calm down, Michael Scott. <laughs> oh, Michael Scott, yeah. 
GIF. It's a GIF. It's GIF. Yes. See, two to three. You lose, Jim. You know what? That was actually two to one, dummy. So much to <laughs> three. I need to go to Jim again. You need to get this guy away from me. This dummy. All right. So I think that pretty much summarizes the arms then. God, I hope. Are we are we good? Did we break down the pitching? I think we're good. I can't wait until our next episode when we get to talk about over under on these guys. How how good or bad they're gonna perform. I can wait. This isn't not that last year's was fun, but who was last year's opening day starter, by the way? Was it Chad Cool? Sure. Who cares? I think. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's that. <laughs> All right. Well, then, you know, real quick, let me see if there's any more questions. Um, Nothing really. So Nick says, I think Newman is being traded. I think he has value. Okay. Sure. <laughs> you know, somebody did say something else here. I'll bring that up real quick here um, about Newman. They asked if we have, a, do you think you'll have a better season? So I'll put it this way. Can it get worse? <laughs> that, that, right. Like, can yeah. it be worse? Is part of it, but that's just offense. He had an amazing defensive year last year, which carried his war to be zero. So, like, <laughs> so like that's the thing. I mean, yes, fishy to agree there, but like, the thing is, I don't think we can expect his defense to be as good, but I also don't think you expect his offense to be as bad. But ultimately, it's still probably just going to even out. I don't have high expectations. I, I said it. I'm not going to be suckered into Kevin Newman. I'll be he hit that home run the other day. He's not looking bad in spring. And as we point out, like there was a fundamental change in his swing, and we're seeing results. But I'm not falling for it again. So, and also, I, I don't really know. If, everyone's talking about value. Like, trade Newman, trade Newman, trade Newman. I don't. What teams are trading for Kevin Newman? That's what I don't foresee. So for people saying Nobody. there's value there, I don't there's really no value. think there is. And if there is value... There's literally no value. His board was zero. Yeah, there is zero. <laughs> there is zero value. Especially when you consider he's an arbitration-eligible player. Kevin Newman's making $2 million this year to be terrible. You can just call up any guy who has a body in AAA, and they're going to do exactly what Kevin Newman can do, uh, and you don't have to pay them $2 million. If you would have given Gift and Gopay an entire year, he probably would have been more valuable than Kevin Newman last year. Probably. His defense would have been better. And could he have hit worse? He He at least would have hit the same. Oh, He would have been an awful hitter. I think Kevin Newman is like 100% capable of being like a one war player. Like, I think that's a reasonable expectation that you can have on him. Um, but again, there's no value here. There's none, no value. 
So Kevin I Newman think stinks. Let's the best way, at least for me to put it, is what value he does have. Like you say zero and great, but like, so what if his value really instead of zero, it's 0.1? You know, like that's, we're getting, it's so minuscule that like the best play for the Pirates, even if there is some value, the best play is to not trade him and hope he shows he's even more valuable than what he is. And then, because I would rather not trade him for the Michael Chavis, right? And just hold on to him and pray you can get something at the deadline. There's absolutely zero chance you could get a Michael Chavis for Kevin Newman. The most you're getting for Kevin Newman is if you pay his salary, you might, you might get a double A 28 year old relief pitcher. Fine. Then we'll use that scenario. So I would, I think it's in the Pirates' best interest to not pay his salary and get a double A pitcher. 28 year old double A relief pitcher. Sure. It's better to play him, hope he does something, and then get a Michael Chavis. Because ultimately, if he doesn't produce anything, then you just, that's the risk reward. Then you just non tender him and you don't have the 28 year old double A pitcher. It's not like you're losing much. It's like, that's what I'm getting at. Like, he doesn't have that much value right now. You're praying he can give you something to get some value out of him. And if not, then you just let him go. It's no big deal. So, like, I'm not there's on liter- board of the trade there's Kevin literally because no you're not team. getting anything. There literally is no team that exists who would trade for Kevin Newman right now. There's not a single one. There's one, the Pirates, but they already have him. They they would, I mean, they traded for a van meter, so they probably would trade for a Kevin Newman. It's just they already have him. <laughs> Why are we talking about right, Kevin Newman right now? All right, we, we're gonna wrap this up. Um, he they say like sucks. the glove gets him traded. I, I just, I, I don't see it. No, he sucks. Why are we still on it? It doesn't. I don't. I don't. It's eating up a roster spot that could be used. He would for be in Japan tomorrow and a bat. So let's get out of here. We're one week away from opening day. We'll be back on next week. Until then, we'll see ya. Bye-bye. Let's go, Bucks. Peace out, Girl Scouts. See you guys. I've apparently lost the outro, so we're just going to end it. <laughs> Bye. I can't wait till we get back to our normal, like, hour 15.